Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. I want to double down on my salute to all of the veterans. Well, apparently he listens to the podcast because he is suing the Astros. All is forgiven. Is it the reason why they were the 2017 World Series champions? No, it's not the reason. So get out of here with all of that. Before, you didn't have a lot of people in the city of New Orleans that were, well, not black people, that were wearing LSU stuff. You want to be Tom Brady, you get pressure with your front four and play coverage. Man, I was J-E-T-S, Jeff, J. I put on green and everything. I painted my face. I'm not saying Deshaun Watson should have an input on the head coach per se, but yeah, I think he should have an input on the head coach per se. <laughs> because you want We believe and change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches and as for our part we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region let it go out there today baby three two one and once again our mighty ship is back on course welcome to the sports talk with devin wade podcast mama there goes that man you roll Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Glad to come to you guys again. And we have a wonderful episode for you this time out as uh, we have a number of features that I'll run down for you in just a second. But first and foremost, I want to invite you guys to go to the Wade'sWordProductions.com website, peruse the website, look over it. Listen to past episodes of the podcast. It's a one-stop shop. And at the bottom of any of those pages, subscribe to the email list so you can get emails from us periodically, keeping you abreast of what we have going on and what we have coming up and all of those good things. In addition to that, on the sports line, we have a 24-hour-a-day sports line, 832-941-6614, You can call 24 hours a day with your comments. Comments, questions, any of the feedback that you want to give us, any questions, any uh, suggestions, any kind of feedback, we certainly appreciate that. Just leave a message 24 hours a day and we'll try to get you on the next podcast. In addition to that, on social media at Wade's Word on Twitter and the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group and the fan page on Facebook. But the group is important because we post a lot and we post poll questions and we have a whole lot of fun with that. Well, this time out, we have a packed show as we have our Why We Kneel segment. That's coming up. We have some headlines coming up for you. In addition to that, I will tell you over the weekend who is going to have a good day. And that is a preview of all the teams and players that you need to pick or look at. So I'm just saying these are the teams and the players that will have a good day. In addition to that, we'll hear from our sponsor, Coban Holmes, and our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, on the mix. In the second half, we will... uh, Climb aboard the soapbox, and I'll give you my thoughts on a few things. And then we will have a conversation with King T. Terrence Harris of the Houston Defender joins us to talk about a number of things in and around the world of sports. Then we have Olamon Award for the big dummy of the podcast. And before I let go, so all that and a whole lot more. So with that, let's get into some headlines. In headlines, increasingly, it looks like we're staving off the second apocalypse in American sports as more and more facilities in the NFL closing down. Cleveland Browns today, more and more guys testing positive in college football. College football has been ravaged this weekend. No LSU, no Alabama, no Texas A&M, no Ohio State, no Arizona State. Herm Edwards has tested positive for COVID, a head coach. 
of the Arizona State Sun Devils. So, I mean, just across the board, so many players, so many teams that have been affected by COVID, you wonder how much longer we can go without another major, major interruption in American sports. So we're keeping an eye out on that. But in addition to that, in the city of Houston, Russell Westbrook wants a trade. He wants to leave Houston. You see that I am struggling to get the words out because I don't know what to tell him. But if I am Rafael Stone, the new general manager of the Houston Rockets, I would call him into my office. Or I would go to him and I would say, Russell Westbrook, you're 31 years old. You make $41 million this year. You make $44 million next year, and you make $47 million the next year. So guess what? You're not going no damn well. So lace them up. Hey, take a deep breath. Do some woo size and get your ass practice because you are going to be with this team because no one is going to take that contract. He's not going to get better at this point. He's not going to go next level. At this point, we've seen the best Russell Westbrook where you are ever going to see. And the rest of the NBA has as well. So I don't know who was going to take on that contract. The Rockets are locked in and they're in a tough situation for a while. So I would say to him, hey, let's make this thing work. Let's run it back. Let's see what we can do. You never know. You never know. It didn't work last year. I don't suspect it's going to get any better for the Rockets this year. But now you painted yourself into a corner with three guys. In addition to Westbrook, you have Eric Gordon and Harden all locked in the contracts. There's not a lot of flexibility there to make a whole lot of moves. So I don't know what to tell him. I know they they maybe I don't even know what they can incentivize to make another team take that deal. But the NBA is a weird place, so maybe just maybe they'll find a landing spot. But I know a lot of people want to get rid of these superstars. But let me assure you of one thing. Once you get rid of them, it's hard to get stars in a given market. You can look at teams all over. It's hard to rebuild a team. And it's going to take a long, long time, I suspect, to build a team back If you once you make the move to get rid of Harden and Westbrook, if you can What you can do now is play some good basketball, maybe hope some break comes your way, maybe some injuries around the NBA. I don't know. I don't know. what You're stuck. And I just think that you look around the city of Houston, but we have some teams that are in some trouble. And we've had some good days with the Astros. It looks like George Springer, he didn't accept the qualifying offer, so he will be a free agent. And he is probably going to leave Houston. J.J. Watt wants out of Houston. Russell Westbrook wants out of Houston. It can be a, uh, a just sort of a changing of the guard in the city of Houston. And we've been spoiled not so much by the Texans, although, again, division wins, competitive teams. They've not been in the top ten picking, you know, although they will be this year. Well, actually, they won't because their pick belongs to the Miami Dolphins. But I'm saying they haven't been bad, bad. They've been kind of lukewarm, and that can be just as offensive as just being bad, bad. <laughs> so uh, they win in divisions. They're doing some of the right things, but they can't get over the hump. They don't have a Super Bowl caliber team they haven't had over the existence of the franchise. So, I, you know, I don't know what to say other than, hey, I hope we've appreciated the Astros. I don't think we have enough. We'll look back on this as the golden era of Astros baseball. Cheating scandal notwithstanding, because we're not going to pay attention to that. So that's going on. A couple of deaths in the world of sports. Tommy Heinsohn, 
And for me, I'm not old enough to remember him playing. I remember him all my life doing Boston Celtics basketball. He used to do CBS. So he was around. He called some of the biggest games I've seen. NBA Finals, Rockets involved, all of those. I mean, back in the day, he was a, you know, he was a color guy that got a lot of run. So you you know, man, if you if you've been around a little bit, you know the voice of Tommy Heinsohn, even if you don't remember him playing. And then Paul Horning died at the age of eighty four. So you look at those guys, and well, you look at Paul Horning, and, and this is where you know my football historian stuff kicks in and not that i just I didn't, you know i didn't just do my homework but you just know especially coming you just know this the history of the game starts with those green bay packers when you start talking about the nfl and what paul horning and vince lombardi and bart star and forrest grig and jerry kramer all of those guys you know those guys you know because, well you don't if you don't know your history but if you know anything about nfl history or football history those guys are prominent names, and you uh, that's a big one. Hall of Famer, and so uh, he has passed away. So those things are going on. A few other things that, that are going on, uh, mostly NFL stuff getting ready for. Tennessee Titans take a L last night in the division, and the Indianapolis Colts just own them. I think they've won four of the last five versus Tennessee in Tennessee. Some, some, some stat like that. But, they, you know, you get into these division games, anything can happen. We saw that Monday night with uh, Tampa Bay and New Orleans. So with that, I want to transition to a segment that we call Why We Kneel. This is from our very own Kalina. She came up with this when Colin Kaepernick decided to kneel several years ago and explained that this was not disrespecting police. This was not disrespecting the flag. This is about police misconduct and making sure that communities of color are not abused and mistreated by the criminal justice system. And there have been several victims. You know George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and so many others. And this is another name that deserves to be remembered. Here is why we kneel. Feeling the chilling moments that led to a police officer shooting me. Ultimately, it's to bring awareness and make people. Colin Kaepernick kneeling to protest social injustice and police, yet unsigned by any NFL team. He's fired. He's fired. Why we kneel. On April 29, 2017, at 11 p.m., Bulk Springs Police responded to a call reporting several underage kids drunk walking around at a party. When officers arrived, partygoers fled, allegedly from the sound of gunshots. Many people left by car. Officer Roy Oliver attempted to stop a car he claimed was backing into the street, quote, towards the officers in an aggressive manner. Oliver fired five shots from his AK-15 rifle into the car, hitting the passenger in the head and killing him. That passenger's name was Jordan Edwards. After the incident, Oliver also claimed he felt his partner's life was in danger. Body cam footage later revealed the car was, in fact, moving forward, not backward. An officer's partner testified that he did not feel in danger. Oliver was fired May 2, 2017, and on May 5th, he was charged with murder. Oliver turned himself in and was released on $300,000 bail. On August 20th, 2018, Oliver went to trial. After five hours of deliberation, the jury found him guilty of murder, and he was sentenced to 15 years in prison. His lawyers planned to appeal. Jordan Edwards was 15 years old. He had a bright football career, and he is why we kneel.
more content, go to wagewordproductions.com. I want to thank Kalina for that contribution and I want to remind you guys that if you want to make a comment on that or have some suggestions, just hit us up 832-941-6614, 832-941-6614. Well, now I am going to go to a segment that is called A Good Day. This is where I tell you what teams and what players are going to have a good day. But before I do that, I want to review. I always like to review what I did last week. So last week I told you who was going to have a good day as it pertains to teams. I said Minnesota would beat Detroit. That's a check. Pittsburgh over Dallas. That was close, but that was a check. New England over the New York Jets. That was close, but that was a check. I picked Tampa Bay over New Orleans and like the rest of the world. Yeah, I was wrong. I was really, really wrong about that one. And in my upset special, I picked the Miami Dolphins over the Arizona Cardinals. So that was a pretty good day for your boy when it comes to teams. I was 4-1 on the day, and that gives me a total now of 30.5 wins and and 9.5 losses. And on my upset specials, I am 5-3. As it pertains to players, it got a little bit more complicated. Antonio Brown. Well, when your quarterback doesn't have a good day, you can't have a good day. Antonio Brown, in his debut, three receptions for 31 yards, but that was a woeful offensive performance by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers overall. So that's an X on that one. James Robinson of the Jacksonville Jags versus the Texans. I said he would have a good day. He did. 25 carries, 99 yards, and a touchdown. That's a good day. I did say Josh Jacobs of the Las Vegas Raiders would have a good day versus the Chargers. Uh, not so much. 14 carries, 65 yards, and a touchdown. So, um, yeah, not so much. Josh Allen, I said, would have a good day against Seattle, and he did. 31 to 38, three passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown, 418 yards passing. That was a really good good day and Ben Roethlisberger uh, I said he would have a good day against the Cowboys he was slow and coming he got banged up hurt his knee uh, came back through some touchdowns he was 29 of 42 for 306 yards and three touchdowns in a win so as it pertains to players I was three and two so overall on the season, I am 24 and 15 when it comes to predicting which players are going to have a good day. Now, that's the past. Now, here is the future. Here are those that are going to have a good day. If you are looking for teams that are going to have a good day, look for Devontae Adams and the Green Bay Packers to continue rolling over the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jacksonville Jaguars are like Trevor Lawrence. Come on down. The awesome Seattle Seahawks offense will take on the formidable offense of the Los Angeles Rams in what should be an offensive battle. But in the end, the Seattle Seahawks will have a good day. A lot of people have been dogging Lamar Jackson, but this week against the terrible defense of the New England Patriots, the Baltimore Ravens will have a good day. In the I wouldn't bet my house on it category, let's put the Las Vegas Raiders in the good day column because they take on the Denver Broncos. You never know what they're going to do. Sometimes they let you down. Sometimes they build you back up. But Sunday, they will have a good day. And in my upset special, the Houston Texans versus the Cleveland Browns. This is going to be a back and forth battle. The Texans will have a good day. We talked about the team. Let's talk 
talk about the captain of the team, Deshaun Watson, versus that 24th-ranked Cleveland Browns defense. He's going to have a field day, and more importantly, he will have a good day. Speaking of woeful defenses, the Seattle Seahawks have the worst defense in the entire NFL, and that will benefit one Jared Goff of the Los Angeles Rams. He will have a good day. Now, Goff is going to have to throw to somebody, and that somebody is going to be one of my favorite fantasy guys week in and week out. That's Robert Woods. He's going to tear up that Seattle Seahawks secondary, and he will have a good day. The Cleveland Browns, Kareem Hunt at running back. He may have one more week where he gets the majority of the carries with Nick Chubb coming back off of IR. I don't know how much he'll participate, but I think Kareem Hunt will get off versus the Houston Texans, and they are last in rush defense, so Kareem Hunt will have a good day. Now imagine this. Russell Wilson had four turnovers last week versus the Buffalo Bills on the road, and he still put up 34 points against the Buffalo Bills. The Rams are pretty good up front, but they can be scored on, and they'll be scored on quite a bit because Russell Wilson is going to have a good day. All of those teams and all of those players are going to have a good day. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. With that, going to take a time out here from our sponsor and our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. But there is a lot more to go as I will climb aboard my soapbox. We'll hear from King T, Terrence Harris, and we will have a Lamont Award. All that and more on this edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast, anywhere you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. DJ Anarchy on the mix. I certainly suggest that you guys follow him on SoundCloud. Look him up on Instagram and on Twitter. DJ Anarchy. Show him some love. Show him that we appreciate what he does. I know I do. And I know you do. So we just have to let him know. Give him his flowers, right? 
With that, I want to remind you guys, if you have music and you want it heard on the podcast, please submit it to music at wadeswordproductions.com. That's music at wadeswordproductions.com. The genre doesn't matter. If you are a DJ, we will play an extended portion of a mix at the end of the program, maybe a snippet at the halfway point. If it's a song, we'll play a snippet of the song at the halfway point and the entire track at the end of the podcast. Genre doesn't matter. We want it to be radio edit, but hey, we just want to hear your music. And I want to share it with thousands of folks who tune in to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast each time out. So with that, I have some things on my mind and I want to share some things on your mind. But it's time to climb aboard the Soapbox. When we are together, we got power. And now it's time to get on the Soapbox. Climbing aboard my Soapbox, you know, a lot is on my mind always. Always on my mind. We still have no Time acknowledgement we, that there the will people. be a new regime from the last regime. <laughs> we, don't have, we haven't gotten acknowledgement from our last president that the new president is the new president. But that's its own thing, and uh, we'll monitor that situation. But, you know, going a little bit lighter, I asked you guys to comment on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group. What was your favorite game show? And your favorite game show host. Now, I will tell you this. I am surprised. But The Price is Right is the most popular game. You guys like The Price is Right. That was the majority of the vote. We also got an equal amount of votes for the match game. We got an equal amount of votes for Wheel of Fortune and for Jeopardy. And I ask this because of the loss of Alex Trebek. We lost Alex Trebek. It was a tough, tough loss. And, man, pancreatic cancer, tough, tough uh, battle for him. But I ask you guys, who was your favorite all-time game show host? Is it Bob Barker, Alex Trebek, Steve Harvey, Gene Rayburn, other? Now, there were others. Dick Clark uh, did it. You know what? What is – I cannot think of his name. It was uh, Betty White's husband. Uh, he was he was a guy I liked a lot. Burt Convey was a guy that did it. There were a couple other guys that were known for it. Richard Dawson is somebody that I thought would get more, well, get get run. Because, you know, he kissed all the ladies. My favorite game show host. See, I'm not just a, a game show guy per se. As I get older and looking back, those were kooky, crazy, wild times. I think my favorite of all time Will probably be ah. Let's see. I don't know. I don't know who would be my favorite. Trebek is so. I mean, great and knowledgeable and classy. Uh, you know, in his presentation. Now, there's video of him cussing and doing outtakes uh, that were not very family friendly. Uh, Bob Barker. Uh, he was the most player. I have you <laughs> all the lawsuits that came his way because he said, "Hey, everything was consensual on my set." You have a sense that he had a bottle of something behind each one of those games and wasn't shy about using them. And he loved the pets. So I, I guess I'll say Betty White's husband, but although I can't think of his name. One I don't like, <laughs> Chuck Woolery. Connection or something, was it? Uh, was the, the, I don't know if that was a game show, but he he's done game shows. Pat Sajak, nah, you know, whatever. I don't know. So you guys said what you said. My favorite game show, it would have to be Password. Or Joker's uh, Wild. I, I like that one. So not much on the soapbox. Didn't get heavy into it. I know we've had enough heavies. Time to lighten up and enjoy life and have great conversations. Like this one with our guy King T, Terrence Harris of the Houston Defender. King T is back again with the new topic. 
Ford, how are you this afternoon? Man, I'm chilling. I'm chilling. How you doing, my brother? Man, I'm doing good. Keeping uh, an eye out on Tiger Woods here with the opening round of the Masters, and he's so far as we speak four under. So he's doing his thing, and I root really hard. This guy has brought me a lot of joy on the golf course throughout the years. I had just really started playing myself right before he took off. He took off in '94. Seven ninety. He won his first Masters in ninety seven. I just started right. playing, maybe a year before, and so when he took off, the game exploded. Everybody, there were so many golf courses, so much enthusiasm from all corners around the world of golf. And you know, I say all that to say that as much as I root for him, I feel like if we had been in school together, we wouldn't have been boys. <laughs> yeah, I, you, I, you, I said you never know with Tiger, man. I mean, you know, just keep in mind now he was boys with, with Michael Jordan and, and Charles Barkley for a number of years. I mean, like they ran together, you know, because yeah. I think you know my MJ and and, and Charles Barkley they tried to kind of get his mind right and to help him understand where where he's at and, and, <laughs> and how to handle his business. And clearly, the young brother didn't listen. Yeah, and you know, speaking of that, that's the part of the game that Earl didn't teach him. He taught him everything on the golf course he didn't tell him anything about the 19th tee <laughs> you know right yeah exactly yeah nobody talking about that 19th nineteenth hole and not how to navigate it you know and, and so and and if, for those who don't know obviously tiger was infamous for a few years ago he was caught with some infidelity issues and that ended up costing him his first marriage and and he really went down i think those things were parallel with the fact that his back was messed up. People point to that like, oh, he was just so distraught over his wife and cheating on his wife. His whole world collapsed around him. The reality is he had back issues even back then, and he wasn't. He was in a bad place. He, then he got caught up with the pain pills and all of those stuff. I mean, it was just a bad, bad time. Yeah. And to see him resurrect himself last year at the Masters and win that major – it was just so exhilarating. I just root for him. And what we haven't seen, though, and maybe you know more than I do, we haven't seen the influx of young African Americans on the PGA. And, and I thought that by, you know, we're 20 years into him, 20 plus years into him being a star, and we just don't see it. I know that they've started First Tee, and there's a lot of minority programs out there. First Tee, by the way, is awesome. What what happened with that disconnect? It all starts with, I mean, you know, you still need, even with First T and all of those different organizations that are out there, I mean, at the end of the day, you still need access to the best and most challenging courses to really become your best, I, I believe. And the reality is, is that those places are, are still very exclusive. You know, it's hard to get into. So, I mean, so you, that's a money sport. I mean, and, and you really have to have the buy-in to really make that real serious impact. Only a few kids that don't have that access, like a Tiger Woods, I mean, you know, can actually make that breakthrough because it's hard. I mean, and then you look at the road to, to get there. I mean, you know, you have to either, because there are a lot more. Now, keep in mind, while there are not a lot on, on the PGA, there are a lot still at some of the lower level tournaments uh, tours as well be, but it's hard to break through because i mean you got to get the sponsorship and, and everything else i mean tiger because of all the attention he had as a little kid then going on and doing what he did at stanford i mean you know he came out in american express and and rolex and everybody at mercedes-benz they were all sitting there waiting on him that's not necessarily the case for everybody i mean you know but i think tiger just 
he you know, he benefited at that time from being the only one. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, like yeah. and I, like I've always said, you know, like Tiger completely missed to me. You know, like on a social stand or from a social standpoint, I, I can honestly tell you, I can't stand Tiger because this brother don't get it. I mean, you know, here's a guy who who's famous for saying calling himself Cablanasia and saying he doesn't identify as being black. He identifies with all of his races. Dude, the reason American Express did what they did in the Mercedes Benz and all those other sponsors came, it wasn't because you were Asian or mixed with other races. It's because they saw a black man and they saw somebody that was different and stand alone. And so they gave him that opportunity. For as great as he's been on the course, he just hasn't always gotten it, man. I mean, you know, it's, it's been yeah. it's been amazing to see, and it's been it's been it's been a little a little bit of a downer, I think, in, in, in my mind. Anyways, I mean, everybody else may feel different, but. I just think that, you know, he, this this is a guy who's always sort of missed the boat. Well, this is what I'll say about that. And I know that he's done a lot for minority golf. I know behind the yeah, scenes. Yes. But what you would hope that he would do. And, and think about this. He came from that same era where Jordan wasn't speaking out. And Barkley was like, I'm not a role model. I mean, that was kind of the thing. They were trying to build their brands. And I think now the money has gotten so big for these guys that they don't risk losing it all when they speak out and you would you would hope that these guys would be more like lebron one thing i will say i'm not a big lebron fan but what he's done away from the basketball court has been amazing and extremely commendable he's been the prototype for how you are active in your community outside of your sport and don't get me wrong. I mean, like, like I mean, the difference between a a, a Barkley and a and a Jordan and this guy is, I mean, just a com- complete denial of race. I mean, you know, like, I mean, when you get finished, Michael Jordan's first wife was an African American woman, and he has African American children. Okay, you know, uh, Barkley. I mean, you know, he's never. You, you could never deny his. You know, him deny his people. I mean, he never did that. Or his culture. I mean, you know, like what Tiger did was almost unthinkable. In, well, in but my here's, mind. And, here's and, and, what and, I and, say. And in many ways, and in many ways, unforgivable. I would say, hate to say it, but I mean, that's just my opinion. Well, you know, this I is just, where I will take up for him a little bit, and that I've seen him honor Lee Elder in the first golfers. He was really big about honoring those guys, and yeah. he repeatedly, I th- even last year, I think that he. He mentioned that, and he talked about that. He's clearly not built for it. But if you think about this, think about how Jordan grew up and how Barkley grew up. Poor, around, just surrounded by families. And, or if not, not, if not poor, not, well, in Barkley's case, poor. In Jordan's case, you know, middle class, black upbringing yeah. in North Carolina. Tiger grew up on golf courses. He was on Johnny Carson at three years old. I, I think... When you talk about that situation, that's when you say, okay, Earl, you probably should have exposed him a whole lot more because he does have black siblings, black half-siblings that were Earl had other kids. So I think he grew up differently, and I just, it's disappointing that you want him to be out on the forefront a lot more, just like, you know, same criticism of OJ back in the day. OJ was like, look, man, I'm, that, that's not my thing. And, you know, these cats not, aren't, aren't all built for that, but – I hope as time continues to go forward, he'll be more outspoken on those issues because I know behind the scenes he has done a lot. But you want to see him step up and really, like I said, he could be much more vocal and instrumental on social issues, even at this point. But like, yeah. I, I mean, I I, I, I'm not I'm not holding my breath though, man. From yeah. what I've seen, that you know, and and it's only gotten worse. I mean, this whole thing and his fascination with Donald Trump. 
I mean, it only to kind of cements everything else. So I, I just well, at know, least I, he I didn't. Just, I, at least he didn't come out with the endorsement because Jack Nicholas did, and <laughs> that was a whole thing. You know, he got roasted on Twitter. Tiger at least didn't come out and say I was like, man, Tiger better not. He better not. I, right. I was ready to cancel. But he didn't come out. So, and obviously, you know these cats made money off of Donald. They made money with Donald. You know how that stuff goes. A lot, a lot of these cats, you know, made a lot of money with him. And uh, you know, I'm just glad that he didn't endorse him because then I would have had to say, Nah, I got to put you down. So, right, you know, right, right. Have you covered a lot of golf? <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I, I, you know, periodically throughout my career, yes, um, I, I have. I've covered, you know, like the uh, the, the Colonial up in, in Fort Worth a few times during my during my time up there. There's a Firestone event in in Ohio. I, you know, I, I remember covering that. I even did the PGA event over in New Orleans a few years ago. So you know, I've I've, I've been around it, you know, here and there. I wouldn't call myself a golf writer, but you know, I've, I've been in the mix. And and obviously, I think you know. Like, it was funny. I mean, once Tiger, you know, started doing what he did and moving the way he was moving, I think sports editors around this country kind of realized we need to try to get some some people, who, some diversity on the, you know, as part of our coverage of, of, of these events. And, uh, you know, and hope, because you know, the sports editors, they want they want to be able to make a connection, which is, you know, on, on some on some aspects is kind of short-sighted. That's, that, that's the best way I could describe it. But, I mean, but then, you know, on, on the other hand, it's, it's good. I mean, so, you know, you're, you're happy, you know, that, that you know, somebody recognizes that, hey, the way we've been doing things may not work with this guy, you know, blazing such a trail. So, I mean, you know, so I think you've seen a lot of other Clifton Brown people like that who really become, you know, big-time golf writers who are African-American. Yeah, I know Michael Collins is the guy on ESPN that's always yeah. connected. I went to, I covered one thing, and I almost jumped on one of those marshals out there for for being a smart, <laughs> saying stuff, saying a, kind of some racist stuff. Tiger wasn't in that tournament. It was VJ Singh and a bunch of others that were doing the thing, and he made a couple remarks. And I'm like, look, man, I don't know what you think this is. You know, I had a really negative experience at the Houston Open. And it was just one – it wasn't anybody official, but they had a lot of these volunteer marshals that were probably part of some organization or something, and they allowed them to be marshals on the court. Not the the official PGA marshals, but just those folks around the greens that watch things and, and right. follow groups and stuff like that. Not, yeah, it was – yeah. He was about to get the smoke, man. <laughs> and yeah, so, well, you, you got some, you got enough players everywhere, man. But you know, it's just, it's a, I mean, that whole golf coverage thing, though, it's a different world. One of the funniest stories I've ever had on, on a golf course is covering the PGA event in, uh, in New Orleans and sitting, uh, sitting around the 18th hole, kind of hanging out, waiting on the guys to come off and sitting kind of, you know, at the edge near a pond. And I'm sitting there and I see something and I, and I look again and I see some eyes. And realize there's an alligator right there in the water. <laughs> so, you know, I, I promptly got up and, you know, moved out the way. But I didn't know that, you know, that they, that, they, that, that was okay. You know, but that, that's, part of the, that's the part of the challenge of the course. I mean, I'm like, no wonder y'all ain't got very many brothers out here. We want to talk about why brothers are, you got courses like that with alligators. Man, we ain't doing that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they've come on to the course on several times. Yeah, give me some, some t- a difficult course, but don't put reptiles and stuff out there for me. Yeah. I don't need that. Yeah. Now, see, I, I played around here and I played a couple places on the road. But, yeah, not, never the alligators. I've come across deer on the course. That was cool. 
But that, that's yeah, a whole yeah, different. Cool, yeah. That's cool, yeah. But, but, but not yeah, yet, was, not the Gators. Yeah, because I'm, yeah, I'm telling you, my, my ball dropped anywhere near that. Uh, hey, man, add a couple strokes on because I'm doing that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Say, <laughs> so, well, I'm just gonna take a 10 on this hole. But yeah, so yeah. the big news here is sort of there's trouble in paradise. There's Man. discontent with the Houston Rockets. Russell Westbrook has been reportedly, has reportedly requested a trade from the Rockets. What are your thoughts yeah. on on that? I was shocked by it. What are your thoughts? You know, you know what? The more I think about it, the more I've, I've had a chance to think about it. You know, after you know these last couple of days and, and talking with people, you know, here's my thing: is why didn't we see this coming? I mean, this should have been obvious that you know this is not what. And I think what Russ is saying basically is, hey, I came here to play for a team that I thought was serious about contending and not some gimmick kind of situation. And certainly, you know, he wants to be a guy. You know, Russ wants the ball in his hands. You know, he wants the ball in his hands again. And I think this is a referendum against everything. The direction of the franchise, also, you know, playing with Harden. I mean, I think it's been a little difficult for him. I mean, Russ was not Russ this year. Russ did not look like himself at all. He didn't look natural because he was having to play in a way that he had never had to play before. This is the man who who kind of, when you get finished, he made Kevin Durant defer to him at times because he controlled the rock. And here he didn't, they had to split those duties. So I don't think he really liked that. I mean, you know, this talk about small ball and continuing to go to play small when I, I don't think that's something that Russ believes in. I, I think, you know, that's been an issue. I think, you know, you look at basically, you know, you got two neophytes kind of, you know, as the face of the franchise right now in terms of, of front office personnel. And you're talking about a, fr- a first time head coach, you know, and, and, and Stephen Silas, and you're talking about a first time general manager and Raphael Stone, you know, and Raphael, while he's been around, the Rockets for, you know, 15 years or so, I mean, he's never been a deal maker. You know, he, he's been, he, he likes to say he's been in the room, but it's one thing to be in the room. It's another thing to be making the deals. And I think that, you know, what I think those guys are looking for was probably a more seasoned general manager who could probably you know, really will and deal and had the connections to, to improve this team. And, and that just doesn't seem to be the case. And I just don't think that, honestly, Westbrook and Harden, I don't think they play. They're not a good backcourt tandem because they both have the same needs. Yeah, and I never thought that those two would really work out. But here's the deal. And if I'm Rafael Stone and I, you know, I call Russ in and I said, look, Russell, you're 31 years old. I think today is his birthday, too, by the way. You're 31 years old. You make you 41 this year. Next year, you make 44. The next year, you make $47 million. Uh, you need to go back to the gym and work out because we're not going to be able to get rid of you. <laughs> There's no one that's going to take three more years under contract at that price for 31-year-old Russell Westbrook. I'm like, hey, man, you suck it up. I don't know what to tell you, but show up for work because it's not happening. Not at that price. I, I just don't see anyone taking on that contract that's serious about contending. Maybe maybe a year from now, maybe two years from now, somebody said, well, I'll take that hit one last year because I know he'll be coming off of the cap. But, I, I mean, at this point, he's not going to get better. He, You know what? He, he's had his best basketball, and he's locked in for three more years of guaranteed money, uh, $120, $130 million left on that deal. If you're stolen, what you do is tell him and his agent, like, look, here, y'all go out and find me a deal and come back and holler at me. 
Well, that that would be the smart part. Because I can't make it. But if y'all can make it and it can make sense for us, I'm down. What's disappointing, you know. too, is the conversation Steve, or in the press conference, Stephen Silas, and I said this on one of the previous podcasts, that, hey, you're supposed to win the press conference. And he did. He, he sounded good. But what he said was he talked to these guys and was really excited about their response. And so the, yeah. other, the other thing I thought, and you can give me your thoughts on this, is that maybe they've gotten wind that maybe the Rockets want to ship him and he wants to control the narrative about leaving Houston. So, I mean, I don't know if that would affect people's perception of him or not. I don't know. I just I can't explain why now you would do this when, of course, you had to believe that somebody would have had a conversation with him and Harden before making the Steven Silas hire. Well, you would think so. I mean, you know, but I think maybe – I, I, and honestly, that's why I believe that John Lucas's name actually came up in all of this. Because I mean, when John Lucas's name came up, it shocked the, you know what, out of me. Because I'm like, John, he, Luke ain't coach. He ain't been a head coach in over 20 years, you know. And I'm like, and, and so I just didn't see that. But what I think was, he has a great relationship with both Westbrook and, and Harden. Yeah, and I heard and with, that. And, and, and with, and, and I think that's what the thinking was, because I think they knew they knew that these guys had some discontent, because apparently Harden is saying he hasn't talked to anybody in weeks. Wow. Uh, with with the, uh, with the organization at all, but you know you you had a chance to kind of solidify that with with Luke. I mean, you know, and, and I think that you know, they they bypassed on that. I think now we sort of understand why a Jeff Van Gundy, you know, had was was getting serious consideration. Guy who also once again. Is far by, by this generation of players is far far more known as an announcer than he is a head coach, and and definitely a guy that that didn't relate to players thirty years ago. So I don't know what the hell he could do now. But I think what they were scrambling to do was trying to figure out a way to make these guys happy. And I think you know when they brought Tyron in here, and I thought Tyron probably could have did it. He could have solidified it maybe. But once again, you know, he gets here and he sees that the situation with Maury is a mess. He goes and, you know, the Clippers say, hey, come on and stay. And that's what he does. But so so now you go to this young guy who's, I mean, great, great guy. You know, and I think he's he's going to be a likable guy. When you look at his pedigree, his pedigree is real. I mean, you know, Kimball Walker, Steph Curry, Luca of, of the Dallas. He's worked. This is a guy who worked with guards. They went out and got those two guys a coach. But the problem is, is that they, these guys know that they need a team. So it's it's going to be and, tough, yeah, to to see yeah. what happens. And Harden says, for his part, he's ready to. He wants to stay. He's he's ready to 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 stay committed to the Rockets. So we'll have to see what happens. That's just beginning because now, I mean, everything will be sort of on hyperspeed because they're trying to tip off where they are tipping off December 22nd. So they don't have a lot of time. They have to draft what next week, week after next. And so everything is at free agency. All of this stuff is happening at warp speed. And I don't see much movement for the Rockets and I would try to do my best to pacify him any way I can. Otherwise, I mean, because again, they don't even have anything to incentivize the team to take that contract 
because don't they they don't have a draft pick next year or, or, or this year or next year, right? Or some, right. something something well, like yeah. that in one of those years. So I don't know. So let, let's shift gears here. I want to talk about uh, another big story? I don't. Know if, I mean, this sort of a, is a behind the curtains kind of look at uh, media relations and all of those things. Amy Palsic of the Houston Texans was let go yesterday. Do you have any comments on that situation? Because everyone and their brother are coming to the defense of her and apparently the Texans said that she was not a cultural fit. Now, I don't know what that means, yeah. but what's your, what's your take on that? What I can tell you right now is, you know, thankfully for the Texans, they're in Texas where you can get away with crap like that. Because I'm telling you, man, what they said is just, just downright, it's offensive and, it's, and, it's, and it's, it's stunning that an organization can say something like that without backing it up or, or explaining what you mean when you say she's not a good cultural fit. What do you mean by that? I mean, is it because, you know, she tweeted some things about, you know, Kamala Harris and, and Joe Biden and being happy about that? Uh, is it because she was, you know, part of uh, of the O'Brien regime? I mean, she was she was definitely his hands, his hand picked person to to be his his PR person, because, you know, he had a great guy already. And Kevin, Kevin Cooper. I mean, Coop, you don't get no better than Coop. OK, in, in this business, period. And so, you know, but, you know, O'Brien wanted his own person. And, and, and Amy, I believe she was already kind of there, but in, a, in kind of a different capacity. But, you know, she came over, you know, you're wiping the slate clean on, on Bill O'Brien. So perhaps, you know, maybe it's, it's, you know, that could be part of it. We don't know. And the way that they've left this open-ended, I think that they need to kind of close it and explain what is it that she did wrong. Well, what I think happened here is I think that whatever she was told, that wasn't part of any release that she wasn't a cultural fit. That was something that she put out there that they told her. And that, and I don't know what that means. And I do think at some point they're going to have to address that because people are taking this to mean political stuff. But the culture could be the Bill O'Brien culture because we certainly know that the culture in that organization changed when Bill O'Brien got here. And things have been much more rigid. We've heard about his outbursts and how he does things. If she's that closely connected to him, again, I don't know what happened. I know personally I have not had tremendous experiences with her. And, but that's yeah. that's just my uh, – not that she's ever been disrespectful, but she's been, I think, dismissive of a lot of folks in Houston media that are not with a major network or uh, not from national media. Just my opinion. <laughs> now, again, yeah. uh, that's, mean, that's my thing. See- and keep in mind, we were we were very spoiled here in the last, the, the couple of guys that, that had this role, um, you know, Tony. prior to her coming. Yeah, yeah, Tony, who's the, who's just the class of of this whole industry, you know, or, or, or was when he was in it. And then you know, then you go to Cooper after him, and you know, and so Amy came in. I think she definitely wasn't them. She wasn't that. You were excited. You were happy to see. Tony and Kevin, when you when you walked into the press box, because those those are cool guys, good brothers, and they're personable. I don't think that she had that ability. You know that that wasn't her. Um, you know, like my thing is, just as long as you don't get in my way, right, and, and make it hard for me to do my job, we're cool. And and I don't feel like she really did that. I mean, you know, um, you know, I, I thought she was okay. I mean, but and I think also in my situation with especially working for the defender which is not what you would call, you know, a, definitely not a, a major uh, 
publication or, or, or anything like that in, in terms of, you know, a national publication, I would say. And so, but I think that she, her and Sonny, the publisher and owner of the, of the Defender, have a good rapport. And and that's made it where it's been really smooth, very easy for me. I mean, you know, I, I got the calls. I've received the calls. Hey, do you want to come out and come to practice? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? And so it's been, it's been, from that standpoint, it was it was always workable. I mean, you know, so she but, gave me what I needed. Yeah, and I always I think it like I said it coincided with the change in accessibility because it's not mm-hmm. what it was before, you know. But no. and, and a part of that is Bill O'Brien, and part of that is the NFL changing. Uh, and yeah. uh, and I've had discussions with other people in the media. You know, they really want to they want to control the narrative. You look at all of the things that they produce in house, the shows, the radio shows, all, all of the stuff that they produce in house to control their own messaging. Even going back to the fact that they moved training camp to West Virginia a couple years. You know, like you're not doing any favors to your to your local media that cover you day in and day out, especially some of the smaller publications and smaller radio stations like mine. Like I said, she was never disrespectful. I think more dismissive of us. And maybe that's just not understanding our impact on this market or whatever. So I don't know. I, I don't know what it was about. I think the Texans have a a job to do in cleaning all of that up. Because if the, the cultural yes. change is just a, the change from the Bill O'Brien culture, then tell you, you may have to say that. Yeah. But you, but, you know, the thing is, but you don't need to do that during the middle of the season. You do that once the season's up. You don't change that person in the middle of the season unless something, something really egregious, yeah. something egregious happens. So you know, and and that's why I think a lot of people are making the parallel between you know, like her a couple of days ago saying what she said on her Twitter on her Twitter account about Biden and her, and, and Kamala Harris, and maybe you know, and then all of a sudden now all of a sudden they're, they're not comfortable with her. I cannot imagine because that contradicts everything that they've been trying to. They've been trying to remake their image anyway. You know, with with, but the old man, the old man. I mean, you know, rest his soul or whatever. I mean, you know, the old man is. You know, he is who he is, and 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 this and this friend, this franchise is based. The foundation is him, whether he's here or not. So you know, so you talk about a culture. That probably needs to change, and and it's probably going to be that. That's going to be the culture that probably really needs to change. Well, see, uh, and what I said, yeah, and so this, this, why? And I I think Cal's, and don't get me wrong, I think Cal's a good guy. I don't, I don't think Cal is 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 his father in any way, shape, or form in terms of that. You know, so I think that he's definitely a much more open guy. So I don't know. I don't. I don't know what this all means. Yeah, I guess we'll find out. And I guess we need to put our ear to the ground. I mean, I'm sure the grapevine is talking uh, and some things going on behind the scenes. Because again, this is contradictory to everything that you said since the George Floyd incident and how you they pledged millions of dollars. They've done things to try to say, "Hey, we are now we're listening." And, and you, you sometimes it's lip, lip service. And even if it's lip yeah. service, you don't do. I don't know. We'll we'll find out because, like I said, you wouldn't make this move even if it's a cultural dis- difference. You're not going to make this yeah. move right now. But we'll we'll have to find out what happened. But on the field, your Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield had a week off for COVID. He was on the COVID reserve list, so now he's back, and uh, they take on the Houston Texans. What are you thinking? How are you feeling about the Cleveland Browns? Man, these these Texans about to get rolled, man. I'm telling you, <laughs> y'all better y'all better ask somebody. You know, I I just wrote a, a, a live story, you know, talking about just how, 
you know, when you coming into the season, when you looked at this game, I think you had to think, okay, the Texans are going to ride and roll into Cleveland and, and just drill them. Right. Well, because, I, I, I mean, thought that, they, yeah, they, yeah, that was one of those either way games. You, that could go either I mean, but, way. Yeah. You, you, I mean, cause you think in the, the you know, a lot of people probably thought the Texans would be, you know, they'd be five and three and not the Browns, you know? And so, you know, now you're two and six and really don't have all that to play for you. Play, you play with an interim head coach. So, I mean, you know, and the Browns are, are, are on, a, on another trajectory right now at five and three at the, at the midpoint, uh, you know, and, and looking like a team that, that might actually be in the conversation as, as we head into the, sec- the second half of the season. And, uh, and I mean, Baker's, Baker's looked, I'm not going to say like he hasn't looked great, but he's been good. He's been solid. He, he's done what he needed to do at times. We got a, a, a top five rushing offense, and, and, and we know what that means for uh, a defense like the Texans that just hasn't been a good mix. We got the NFL sacks leader right now. And Miles Garrett coming off the edge, we could present some issues. I mean, you know, but that doesn't mean that the Browns don't have their own issues because, you know, you still got, you know, with Odell Beckham now gone, I think they looked a little lost in terms of who's going to be that go-to receiver now. And uh, and so, you know, they got to figure that out. I mean, because they had too many drops two weeks ago against Oakland, it didn't make sense. And so, you know, uh, you know, hopefully they got that ironed out over the, you know, over their. Um, their bye week, you know, we'll see where it's at. But I think that the, the Texans are going to head into Cleveland and it's going to be a little bit cold. And, and these dome teams, they just don't do well in cold weather, man. We'll have to see. I do want to ask you one Texans question, though. We saw the Texans fail to trade Will Fuller. And then you hear a couple of days later, Deshaun Watson come out and say, hey, had they traded him, that, that would have been hell, you know. That would have been a, a bad, bad move. What do you think of Deshaun throwing his weight around, and what does this mean for the future of Will Fuller here in Houston? Well, I mean, I don't think it really means anything. I mean, I think Deshaun has has, has if, if Deshaun could be cool and 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 go go with the line of hey, it was best for the team when they traded Hop. Now that's what we should have went off about. Well, that was when before they, he, when, hey, that was before he got his money though. Right <laughs> now yeah, he got exactly, his money. Yeah, but he should he should have that now you talking about something he should have went off about? That he should have went off about. Will Fuller and Will Fuller's a good player. I mean, he's an explosive guy. I mean, you know, but I don't you know, they're gonna have to make a decision about him because the problem that Will has faced throughout much of his career is his inability to stay on the field. Yeah, and now and can he, you, he can either walk away for nothing. Or you're going to have to pay him at least $14, 15000000 million, if not more, a year, given where yeah. he is in this league and the numbers he's putting up. Last time out, a 77-yard touchdown, longest of his career. But I just think it's interesting that Deshaun is throwing his weight around, and that, I think that bodes well for the organization, for him to stand up and say, no, no. If they if they start listening, yeah. But, I mean, keep in mind, two weeks ago, he's he said, them guys ain't going nowhere. And the reality is, is that they couldn't get a deal done with Green Bay because because Will would have been gone. You yeah, know? I so, wonder so, what they. I so, wonder what know, Green so, Bay offered. So, yeah, I don't know what they offered, but yeah, I mean, yeah, but but keep in mind. So Deshaun, I mean, yeah, and it's like the NFL, dude. The, the owners have all of the. They got all of the power, man. So like you know, players can say what they want to say. But, you know, in a lot of ways, you're just kind of bumping your gums. You know, well, except his money's guaranteed. Yeah, except his money's guaranteed. 
You know, and that's that's one of the things about it. One, and that's why we see it in the NBA. These guys can kind of pick their spots. Their money's guaranteed, so they can say what they want to say. They still getting paid. Same thing here with Deshaun Watson. Only a few guys can do that. A Pat Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, and even Aaron Rodgers can't do that. (laughs) So I don't know. You know, not anymore since they drafted a quarterback. Well, I don't think I don't. I don't think anybody ever really listened to Aaron Rodgers up in, in, in Green Bay. To be honest with you, even when even at the height of his career, that's not really what the NFL does you know to use the culture word again that's just not the culture I mean they don't they don't necessarily listen to the players and, 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 and on that level it's not like the NBA I mean you know like I said you know it's, the NFL is not really that it's not that star driven league like you would think you know that the well, you need so many guys yeah you said it has so many yeah. guys that it takes to be a yeah, quality they, they, team they, yeah they do what they want to do I mean you know I mean you know the owners I mean they they their money is locked. If you talk about guaranteed money, they're the ones with the guaranteed money. So tell folks, what are you writing about these uh, these days? You, you gave us a, a bit of a preview, uh, but talk about some of the other things you're working on uh, for well, the Houston Defender. You know, the, the, the last couple of weeks we've done some really interesting stuff, looking at Stephen Silas and kind of how he's come into this whole thing and, and been brought up through it. I mean, I got a chance to uh, spend some time talking with his dad couple weeks ago and, and so you know he he gave us some really good information some really great insight into what has gone into making Stefan and, and making him you know making this the right time for him to be a head coach and then you know most recently we we actually got a hold of Stefan and we were able to spend some time talking with him you know one of the things that I wanted to know and I did ask is I was like you know because they kept talking about how he he just left them convinced. He blew them away. And so I wanted to know, what was your sales pitch in that room? What did you say in your mind that, that you knew would open up their eyes and make them realize that you were the right guy for this job? And I thought that his, his response was, was fantastic. Talking about, hey, I just told my story. And he has quite a story. <laughs> yeah, he has, he has a hell of a story. You know, and then you had uh, Raphael Stone who stepped in and just said, hey, of all of the guys, he, he was definitely the most prepared. And you're talking about, we know at least Tyron Lue was in here, our NBA championship coach. We know Jeff Van Gundy was interviewed. We know that, uh, that, that, that Lucas was interviewed. And I'm sure there were a couple other names that went along with that. And so for them to say that, you know, this young man came in and just kind of blew the doors open, I mean, is, is, is you know, really interesting. It says a lot about him. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the Houston Rockets moving forward. Should be a, a, a rapid pace a couple months here, or maybe nothing at all happens. We'll have to see. How can folks reach you on social media? Man, check me out at uh, Terrence Harris on Twitter. I mean, you know, check me out there. Uh, I'm always around. Hey, man, we certainly appreciate it, uh, as always, and we look forward to visiting with you real soon. Yes, sir. All right, bro. Take it easy. Always enjoy our conversation with Houston Defender writer Terrence Harris. Always good stuff to uh, read and uh, to talk about with him. But with that, it is time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player team entity, someone in or around the world of sports that we deem to be the big dummy. Now, this time out, (laughs) let me gather myself here. So let me say this. This is about someone who is accused of driving under the influence. And let me say this. Driving under the influence is not funny. 
It's very dangerous to you and, more importantly, to other drivers out there on the road. So please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly. That being said, Tony La Russa, 76 years old. He is nine days older than my father, my late father. Older guy. I can't imagine my dad managing a baseball team. I mean, but maybe he could if he was still here. Had illness, cancer not taking him out. Okay, so you get the shot. Hall of Fame manager. Great, great, one of the great managers in all of baseball. Kudos to him for that. So he gets a second chance after years out of the game. And what happens the day before he is hired? He is in the Phoenix area, Maricopa County. Shout out, Maricopa. You helped get Joe Biden elected president of the United States. But he's in Maricopa County, and he gets a DUI. That's bad enough. But before he goes in, he goes to the, do you know who I am card? <laughs> I am a Hall of Fame baseball dude. Now, that might work in St. Louis. Might work in Chicago, might work in Boston. It's not going to work in Phoenix. <laughs> I mean, they don't have this long tradition of baseball, this heritage of baseball in the city of Phoenix, Arizona. Although they did win the World Series with Greg Council over the, what was it, the Cleveland Indians. So they, they've done that. Beat the Yankees too, right? Or lost to the Yankees, I forget. But nonetheless, that's how unimportant Phoenix baseball is. Diamondbacks baseball is. But I'm not picking on them. I'm picking on Tony La Russa. So, 76, you got hired, and you got caught up. And the question is, did he have, did he really have too much to drink, or did the wine not mix with the blue pill when he should have took the red pill, or did he take the red pill and the blue pill and the purple pill and the wine? I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he has an explanation, but he, he wasn't having it initially. Initially, he said, hey, look, I have no comment on this, and he hung up the phone. But he went to the do you know who I am card. And I wondered, I asked myself, would I do that? If you're drunk, you make bad decisions, right? Inherently, you make bad decisions. So maybe that was just a bad, maybe that was just the drunk Tony LaRusso saying, do you know who I am card. And I wondered, would I do that? I'm not the do you know who I am guy. But to get out of going to jail, would I? I'm not sure. <laughs> I hope to never find out because I'm sure that I'm, I wouldn't be known. But nonetheless, the Chicago White Sox hire a 76-year-old drunk, I'm not drunk, a, 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 an alleged driving under the influence driver so, or impaired driver, to make it short. And to me, you couldn't find somebody, and I don't want to be an ageist, but come on, 25 years younger? There's so many guys out here that need the chance. Tony La Russa has the pelts on the wall. He's accomplished. He's well paid. He's been a consultant for the Los Angeles Angels for a few years. And he's a beloved figure in both Oakland and in St. Louis, where he won World Series titles. So I don't know. But for you to drink and to drive, and, and especially, no, not especially, but in addition to that, go to the Do You Know Who I Am card. Tony La Russa, you are a big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> <laughs> now again drinking and driving is not funny it's just funny to me because he may not have drank that much it just may be a bad mixture with his medications but anyway let, well i'm actually kind of rooting for him as a manager just because you like it when old school with all the analytics going on maybe somebody with old school just feel for the game 
can beat some of these young bucks. So I am rooting for him in that regard. And let, we'll see if he keeps his job. But I know that there are a bunch of people out there who deserve an opportunity to be a manager in Major League Baseball. But enough about that. Because before I let go. Before I let go. Before I let go. Hey, watching Tiger Woods there. Hopefully this weekend he's four under as we speak and let's hope that he makes it to the weekend and contends for another master's title i'm rooting for him to win and do big things on the golf course going to be watching the texans and the cleveland browns going to be checking out all the uh the nfl action i really want to see tampa and carolina that's going to be an interesting game seattle and the los angeles rams hey but you know what whatever you're watching whatever you uh, see like or uh, want to comment on 832-941-6614 call us on the sports line 832-941-6614 in addition to that tweet me at wade's word w-a-d E-S-W-O-R-D. And, of course, on Facebook, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Want to thank you guys so much. And, as always, remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening.